So Joseph has this dream and then he awakes and he rises from his sleep and did as the angel bidded him and went in unto Mary, his espoused bride. They came together for Jesus' conception because God ordained it. We have to have both the engagement of Mary and Joseph to create a balanced being to be the fullness of the anointed one, the Christ, the one who would come to help humanity realize their true identity and their true nature. Well, friends, welcome back to the Spiritual Nomad YouTube channel and podcast. If you're watching this, hello. This is the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. Again, zoom in for you YouTube folks to see the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. We're talking about that again today. And as I said in the last video, uh, we're going to be talking about some of the differences between the canonical Gospels or the, quote, accepted version, the AV, uh, and this Gospel of the Holy Twelve. If you don't know what the Gospel of the Holy Twelve is, I already made a video talking about its origin, what it is, really talking a lot about the Bible and how the Bible came to be. So if you're curious how we got this thing, especially the New Testament, uh, click the video down below and watch that video about the Gospel of the Holy Twelve and its origin. I'm not going to talk about that at all. We just want to get into what it is. So if you're unfamiliar, click that link. If you are familiar, familiar and you're savvy to what the Gospel of the Holy Twelve is, let's jump in today. So first and foremost, we're going to begin with the difference in the virgin birth narrative. So this is a very sacred topic to Christians and definitely evangelicals, really just Christians, period, uh, don't want the information that's in the gospel of the Holy 12 getting out because it completely uh, flips upside down the, the real meaning of the virgin birth. It really contradicts the accepted version, the canonical gospel of the virgin birth. Um, but I think it's a better understanding. It's a more true understanding of the birth of Jesus. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the scriptures and allow for yourself to hear the difference. So uh, I want to read straight from these texts and then I'll sort of give you my thoughts and opinions and uh, teaching about what the difference is and why it's important that I think we should lean a little bit more towards this gospel of the Holy Twelve. Um, I think it's a little bit more true uh, than what we have created it to be in the narrative of the canonical gospels. But I digress. I'll read for myself and then you see if you can hear the nuance and the difference. Don't just take it from me. Let's actually look into it. Side note, very quickly, uh, this is a Bible called the Cultural uh, Studies, or the Cultural, sorry, the Cultural Backgrounds Study Bible. It's an NRSV version. I like that version the best for a few different reasons that I won't name in this video, but uh, this is a great Bible if you're curious about the real cultural backgrounds. So I'll put a link to this Bible below as well. I'm going to do another review video on it. Let me know in the comments, actually, if you're interested in a review of this particular Bible. So without further ado, we're going to go Matthew, because Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, if you're unaware of that. Matthew, uh, then there's Mark. That doesn't have a virgin birth narrative in Mark. We go straight to the scene with John the Baptist as a man, as an adult, Jesus getting baptized, Jesus casting out demons in the first chapter of Mark, which Mark in the canonical gospels is the oldest gospel. Um, so we have Matthew, Mark, then Luke, and Luke is the other 
gospel, the canonical accepted version gospel that has a story of the virgin birth. And then we have John, and John is more mystical. John's my favorite of the canonical gospels. My favorite gospel is the gospel of the Holy Twelve, uh, and then also the uh, uh, gospel of Thomas. But for the accepted version, the canonical version, if I'm invited to speak at a church, I'm going to use uh, John, you know, if people are not, you know, down with other gospels, which they should be. But I digress. Uh, Luke has a uh, another element, like I said, so we're going to get into that one next. First, let's start with Matthew. So, the birth of Jesus the Messiah. This is after the genealogy of Jesus. They're, they're making a case. Whoever has compiled this gospel is making a case that this person, this incarnation, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth has a valid history and background. Um, so that's why they put the genealogy in there, showing uh, you know, that it was important that they used honorable figures for someone's background and for their their lineage. That meant a lot back in those days. So, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. This is Matthew uh, chapter 1, verses 18. We'll see how far we go. Now, the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, or Hebrew, Joshua. For he, uh, let's see, name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. This is a reference to Isaiah now. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So maybe at Christmas time, you're familiar with singing Emmanuel. This is the birth of Jesus, um, which we say translate as God with us. But we'll also see that there is an additional way to translate Emmanuel when we get to the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. Just wait. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. So a couple things interesting to note really quick in Matthew's gospel before we jump over to Luke's. Uh, one is that he said that his mother, or uh, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, I think it's interesting they use the word live together before they lived together. And then later on after this, after they said what they should name him, he says he had no marital relations with her, no marital relations. So neither of those implies, we can imply sexual relations to that, but it just says before they lived together and before they had marital relations, how they actually functioned as a married couple. So uh, there's nothing that explicitly says intercourse here. 
Uh, and I know that some of you Bible scholars are probably going to, you know, annihilate me down in the comments, but there's nothing that explicitly says sex or intercourse, or it says that in some other version it says before he knew her. What does that really mean to, to know her in that way? So let's look at the gospel of Luke and uh, read about Jesus' birth here, and then we'll jump over to the gospel of the Holy Twelve. Uh, this is Luke uh, 1, let's see, 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was, was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor, David." He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And in this sixth month, for her uh, was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Then Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, who has John the Baptist. Um, and then we see Mary's song of praise. She's so grateful the birth of John the Baptist, we have Zachariah's prophecy going on to then the birth of Jesus starting in Luke 2. Um, this really, you know, gets down to the more of the, the Christmas story here, okay? So that's Luke's version of this. Uh, we see that Jesus is uh, definitely having a lot of things proclaimed about him, these big, big ideas, these big, uh, you know, uh, these big plans for him to be essentially the new David to come and to rule uh, and to overthrow the Roman Empire. And so uh, let's, let's now look at the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. Let's read the Gospel of the Holy Twelve and see what that says about Jesus' birth. This is Lection 2. So again, the Gospel of the Holy Twelve, Lection 2 the Immaculate Conception of Jesus the Christ. Now, before we get into this really quick, we're going to see that Jesus, and if you buy a copy of this, you're going to see that Jesus a lot of time has an eye. This is an old text. It's not been updated. It's not been rendered. Uh, it's from the 1800s is the last time that this was really updated. Well, to be really specific, the early 1900s, there, there was a revision of it, but so it has very old language. It's very King James-like language. So, um, it can be kind of fun if you like that sort of very flowy, poetic sort of language. Uh, but Jesus is sometimes spelled with an I, but it's, it's Jesus. And they also sometimes hyphenate his full name to be 
uh, Jesu Maria. Um, and so this is just really, I think, showing Jesus probably more full name. Um, you know, we only think of Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus the Christ, which Christ is not his last name. It means anointed one. Uh, it's literally what Christ or Messiah means is anointed one. Um, and so if you can be anointed, that means that you have the Christ as well. But I digress. This is probably a more full name for Jesus in his cultural history and background. Jesu um, Maria, Jesus. So now, lection two. Here's the Gospel of the Holy Twelve of the Immaculate Conception. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now Joseph was a just, was a just and rational mind. He was skilled in all manner of work in wood and in stone. And Mary was a tender and discerning soul, and she, was wrought, and she wrought veils for the temple. And they were both pure before God, and of them uh, both was Jesu Maria, who was called the Christ. Now, let's pause right there. There's some nuance and difference already, okay? If you have ears to hear, there is some extreme nuance, but a lot of it is the same. As we see in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, Nazareth, to the Virgin, and to Joseph. Uh, have you also noticed, too, in, in Christian circles, we say, you know, Jesus was a carpenter and he was skilled. Well, that is based on Christian history. That's like what we hear, hearsay, passed down through the ages. We don't really see much of that in the canonical gospel. In the gospel of the Holy Twelve, it straight up tells you that he, Joseph, was, a skill, was skilled in manner of work in wood and stone, that he was a carpenter. Uh, carpentry back then in the ancient times involved a lot of stonework, masonry as well. Um, you know, it wasn't only wood, it was wood and stone was both carpentry back in the ancient Near East. Uh, so we see the same thing, that Joseph is a, of a rational and just mind. We also see in the accepted version as well that Joseph is, seems to be a very calm, cool, mild-mannered person. Uh, he didn't want to expose her publicly. Uh, he's someone who seems to be very even-keeled uh, as an individual. But what's different about this, uh, not just is it expands in the type of work, uh, but it says that they were both pure before God. That they were both pure. If you notice in both of the original accepted versions in the canonical scriptures, this has mostly to do with Mary, and then it includes Joseph. It has the angel being sent to Mary and then Joseph being visited by the angel as a sort of afterthought, like, well, we have to include Joseph if we're going to include Mary sort of thing, right? Uh, and then it also in, in uh, Luke's gospel as well. And so this seems to be about Mary, not about Mary and Joseph. The gospel of the Holy Twelve really uh, gives mention to that they were both pure before God. And of them both was Jesus, who was called the Christ. So we're already off to a different start here, right? They both have merit and value in the eyes of the angel, in the eyes of God. They both were seen to be pure. They both were seen to have favor on them for this particular uh, birth and conception. 
uh, verse three, and the angel came in, uh, came in unto her, again, old language here, sometimes it's a little funky, but the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, Mary, uh, thou that art highly favored, for the mother of God is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed be the fruit of thy womb. And when she saw him, she was troubled at it, saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a child, and he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon Joseph thy spouse, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee, O Mary. Therefore also, that the holy thing which shall be born from thee shall be called the Christ, or the anointed, the child of God. And on his name, the earth shall be called Jesu Maria. For he shall save the people from their sins. Whoever shall repent or change of their ways or come into flow with, and obey his law. Therefore, ye shall eat no flesh, nor drink strong drink, for the child shall be consecrated unto God from its mother's womb, and neither flesh nor strong drink shall he take, nor shall razor touch his head. I like that part, you know what I mean? Got the long hair. Uh, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and in this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For with God no thing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, so before we get over to Joseph's part of this, just want to make a couple notes about how this is different as well. So uh, obviously, this is very similar in a lot of ways. I, I want to continue to point that out. This is extremely similar in the uh, texts. You have the angel who is speaking to Mary. She's a little perplexed about why she is chosen, why she's found favor with God. Uh, but a lot of the rhetoric, a lot of the things that the angel is saying is very similar in both of these passages. Mary's responses are very similar in the accepted version in the canonical Bible and also in the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. But again, the nuance, the subtlety is everything. Uh, The details are so important because he says, Fear not, thou hast found favor with God, and behold, uh, shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a child. So yes, she's going to have this, this, uh, this son who is going to be great, going to be the son of the highest, the son of the most high, uh, of his father, David. A lot of the same things that the gospel of Luke is saying. The difference is this, is that in this version, it says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. 
That's in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of the Holy Twelve, says the Holy Spirit shall come upon Joseph, thy spouse, and the power of the highest will overshadow thee. So immediately we see again the inclusion of Joseph in the Immaculate Conception. This very natural thing that is being anointed, this natural sexual intercourse is going to be anointed and overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. It's ordained by God. And let's get to Joseph here in just a moment. Uh, but I do think it's interesting to note that this is something about a virgin that she has not known a man before. And so when we see the virgin birth, we see that it's just someone who has not had relationship with a man yet. This is someone who has not had any sort of intercourse. They've been pure. They have not been raped. And that was a very real thing in the ancient Near East. With a Roman occupied, the Roman Empire being occupied in that area, with taxes in some regions being as high as 90%, Israelites were being exploited by the Roman governor. They was being exploited by centurions and all of these people who were patrolling the streets. It was not uncommon for young Jewish girls to be raped by Roman soldiers. It was not uncommon. Uh, and so it's basically showing that this has not happened to Mary. Mary has been untouched by a man. She has not been raped. She has not given into sexual intimacy with anyone. She is espoused to be married. She is pure. She is a virgin. She has not known a man yet. But on this very first time of intercourse, it will be blessed. It will be holy. It will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. It will be empowered by the Most High for literally one of the most amazing events that will take place in human history, the birth of Jesus the Christ. This is incredible, and this is someone who is pure before this moment in time and is assured that in the act of sex, this will be something that is pure, that God has ordained, that the Holy Spirit is overshadowing this and has filled himself, God's self, in this very natural act of intercourse. So uh, let's jump over to Joseph here. And in the same day, the very same day, so the angel shows up to Mary and then to Joseph in the same day, the angel Gabriel appeared unto Joseph in a dream and said unto him, Hail, Joseph! Thou that art highly favored, for the fatherhood of God is with thee. Remember, with Mary, the motherhood of God is found with Mary. The fatherhood of God found with Joseph. The emphasis being of both the female and the male. That this is how we get the purity of something, is by both positive and negative. And that is what is being affirmed here, that we can't just esteem Mary. We have to include Joseph in this as well. Favored, the fatherhood of God is with thee. Blessed art thou among men, and blessed be the fruit of thy loins. <laughs> Gotta love that part. And as Joseph thought upon these words, he was troubled. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Fear not, Joseph, thou son of David, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt beget a child, and thou shalt call his name Jesu Maria, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
he shall bring people back into alignment, back into flow from their sin or they're missing the mark or they're living out of tune with. Now all this was done that might be fulfilled, which is written in the prophets saying, behold, a maiden shall conceive and be with child and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel which means, which is interpreted as God within us. God within us. So not just God with us, God within us. Really foreshadowing what the real message of Jesus would be. God within us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel had bidden him and went in unto Mary his espoused bride, and she conceived in her womb the Holy One. And Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste into a city of Judea and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the power of the Spirit and spack with a clear voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Whence is this to me, the mother of my Lord, should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped for joy, and blessed is she that believed. For there shall be a performance of those things which were told from the Holy One. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify thee, the Eternal, and my spirit doth rejoice in God my Savior. For thou hast regarded the lowest state of thy handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. So we'll just sort of digress from here because this is kind of going in, which is in ours as well. Uh, Mary's song of praise is what this sort of just transitions into. But now let's look at a few nuances of Joseph here because we see again, originally in the sixth month, we have the angel Gabriel. We have a lot of the same things, but Gabriel puts emphasis on both Mary being the mother, the motherhood of God and Joseph then being the fatherhood of God. He tells Mary that this is going to be okay that they do this. He says that they need to be pure. They need to continue to be pure. They need to not eat any flesh. They need to not drink strong drink. Uh, Elizabeth then, who is with John the Baptist, he tells her, the ga angel Gabriel tells her that, hey, Elizabeth's having a son as well. Um, but then again, let's look at Joseph. That same day when he approached him, there's some differences. So in the accepted version, in the canonical gospels, we see that Joseph is mainly comforted by the angel, that it's okay that Mary is pregnant. It's okay that she's pregnant because this is from God. This is God's doing. Don't be upset. Don't divorce her. Don't do any of that. Just believe that this is good. Believe that this is from God and continue to marry her. That's what the canonical accepted version has to say. The gospel of the Holy 12 includes Joseph and really brings a blessing upon Joseph because he says, I love this, blessed be the fruit of thy loins. And essentially giving Joseph the permission and the confidence that he within himself is going to contribute 
to this figure of Jesus Christ, the anointed one, who has come to set free people from their sin, from living out of union with God. To bring full wholeness is what Jesus was going to be doing in his life. And this would only be because of both the fatherhood and motherhood of God. And a theme that we'll see throughout the Gospel of the Holy Twelve is Jesus referring to the Eternal as Abba, Amma. Not just Father, but Father, Mother. And this Gospel brings a lot of balance to the masculine and fem feminine, and the importance of both the masculine and feminine. And it would only make sense that Jesus' conception, Jesus' birth, would have both the masculine and feminine involved. Because we think of the Holy Spirit being the masculine portion of this from the canonical Gospels. We think that the Holy Spirit impregnated um, Mary. But we see that the Holy Spirit is wisdom and comfort. We see more feminine attributes about the Holy Spirit. So it would be extremely odd that a more feminine element of the Godhead would impregnate Mary. We need a masculine part of this. And regardless of what you think politically correct or not, male and female is what creates life. Both the positive and the negative, the yin and the yang, both come together to create balance and union and harmony. We have to have both the masculine and the feminine, the male and the female, bringing both of the fullness of their energy into this. And this is why the angel Gabriel includes Mary and Joseph, the balance of the masculine and the feminine, and even Jesus' name, Jesu Maria, means that Jesus is full of both the masculine, Jesus, Joshua, the one who sets captives free, and Maria, the feminine, the one who comes to comfort and care. And we see both of these elements create the balance of the person of who Jesus was to be on earth. So we have to have both the engagement of Mary and Joseph to create a balanced being to be the fullness of the anointed one, the Christ, the one who would come to help humanity realize their true identity and their true nature. So Joseph has this dream and then he awakes and he rises from his sleep and did as the angel bidded him and went in unto Mary, his espoused bride, and she conceived in her womb the Holy One. So these are both pure people. They're virgins. They are not ones who have been uh, engaged and involved in anything that is impure or immoral, which is why they both found favor with God, and God anointed them that even though they weren't married yet, they weren't living with the marital responsibility yet, they came together for Jesus' conception because God ordained it. So, this is extremely different from the canonical Gospels. This is something that really changes the whole element and the whole idea of what it means to have a virgin birth. So, do I believe in the virgin birth? Absolutely, I believe in the virgin birth. But the virgin birth doesn't mean that Joseph wasn't involved. The virgin birth doesn't mean that Joseph was absent and just had to be consoled to somehow stay with Mary against his own idea and will. The virgin birth has something to do with something being a part of both of them, that they both were pure before the act of premarital sex. They both were pure before the invitation of the Holy Spirit to engage in this act, to bring forth into the world the incarnation of Christ. And this brings Jesus, as he constantly refers to himself as the Son of Man, 
We are obsessed with Jesus being the Son of God, but Jesus himself in the canonical Gospels consistently refers to himself as the Son of Man. Jesus is reminding his followers, reminding all of the onlookers over and over again that he is of flesh. He is a person. He is not primarily and only a deity. He is the son of man. He was born in the same way that you and I were born. He was born from holy and pure parents. He was born from people who found favor with God, absolutely. But Jesus came into this world the same way that every single one of us did. And that's why Jesus said that you will go and do greater things. That's why he invited disciples and invites us to be his devotees even today, showing us a particular way of living and moving and being that can be achieved. Why would he give us something to do whenever he had a competitive advantage of being divine and not human? Why would he give us uh, authority to live in the same way he lived if we didn't have the same ability he had by being born of only divine, uh, divine ways and divine conception? If he was only God, then that would mean that we wouldn't be able to do the things that he did. But Jesus says that you will do the things that I do. And he is consistently, again, saying he's the son of man, reminding us, saying, I am a man, I am a human, I am a person, I realize who I am, and I come to give you that ability to, I come so that you may realize what all you are capable of, to not live in sin, which literally just means to miss the mark, and to repent, which literally just means to change your mind. So to change your mind, to live in tune with the eternal, and that manifests the reality of goodness and power and authority and spiritual uh, authority over the physical and material plane of existence, that you have the ability to embody the full realization of your divinity that's in you in so being in accordance with your humanity as well. The balance of the two. It's the balance of the divinity and the humanity. And Jesus came to show us what that looks like. He is the prototype of what the fullness of human existence looks like, for us here in the West, at least. But we have been so stuck in this idea that Jesus is somehow separate from us because he's born of a virgin and the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary, that it's this unattainable avatar for us to live under. Jesus would not have given us this way of living if he didn't think that we could do it too. He wouldn't have shown us the way, he wouldn't have given the mandate to go and make disciples of all nations, devotees, learners of this way of union. He wouldn't have given that if he didn't think that we were able to do it. We follow this path knowing that the full realization of Christ is available to be realized within us and manifested as us. And so as the Guru Jesus shows us full balance between masculine and feminine and full union with the eternal, we have the ability to do that very same thing. So the virgin birth, yes, is that Jesus was born of two virgins. They did not engage in sex before he was born. There was no semen, which was very sacred, very potent in the ancient days. There was no semen that was wasted. In the Old Testament, we see that there, I forget his name, uh, in Genesis, he's stricken dead because he allowed his seed to go on the ground instead of into the woman. 
seed, your seed, your your uh, your semen is extremely important here, and it was none was wasted before the conception of Jesus. This is the virgin. This is the virgins who brought Jesus into the world, Mary and Joseph. They knew each other not. They knew anyone else not. They were pure and holy before the engagement of ordained sex for Jesus to be born into this world and for Jesus to show us that he's the son of man, born of man and woman, empowered by the eternal, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit. And we have the opportunity to be empowered and overshadowed by the Holy Spirit now as well. So that was the, the virgin story, the difference between the accepted version, the uh, canonical version, and the Gospel of the Holy Twelve. I'm going to keep rolling through these and just talk about the differences between the Gospel of the Holy Twelve and the canonical um, Gospels. And so if this interests you, uh, click subscribe, uh, leave a rating, review if you're listening to this. Uh, maybe leave a comment below if you are on YouTube, and uh, we'll see you here on the next video.